Saturday morning, first day of May. It's time once again for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Happy May to you, Jack. Thank you, indeed. And today we're going to have the Kentucky Derby. That's so right. I thought, how appropriate, even though I primarily deal with wine, maybe I should talk about a mint julep. And in talking about a mint julep, talk a little bit about bourbon whiskey, uh, a favorite of mine. Uh, you know, when you talk about bourbon, it's an American type of whiskey. It's barrel-aged, and it's primarily made from corn. The name bourbon comes from the French dynasty, a family named Bourbon, ruled France for hundreds of years. But there's some controversy whether bourbon in this country is named after Bourbon County in Kentucky or Bourbon Street in New Orleans, which, of course, both of them are named after the French bourbons. Bourbon has been around since the early 1700s in this country. As a matter of fact, the father of our country, George Washington, had a huge distillery at Mount Vernon, which was responsible for 80% of the income of Mount Vernon came from whiskey. And his whiskey business in today's dollars would have been very significant, over a million dollars a year. Uh, The father of our country sold in whiskey. But I digress for a minute. We're talking about bourbon. And bourbon is mostly associated with the American South, and Kentucky in particular. And bourbon is a big business in the United States. It's about a $3 billion business. And we're very fortunate we export over $1 billion of that outside the country. Bourbon is a very popular spirit, and it's the most popular spirit. Uh, that we produce in this country, uh, overseas anywhere. In fact, it's so popular that in 1964, the United States Congress said and declared it a distinctive product of the United States and put in regulations on the use of the name, something they have done very, very seldom uh, with anything, but they did it with bourbon. And it's sort of interesting. In present Kentucky, uh, most of present Kentucky at the time of the French-Indian Wars, was called Old Old Bourbon County. And in that early time, a lot of Scots and Scots-Irish, English, Welsh, Irish, German, all came to farm in earnest, and corn was a very popular crop, and everyone had surplus corn, so they made a whiskey. And uh, there's a lot of claims about who did what. Certainly Elijah Craig, who was a Baptist minister, mind you, uh, and a distiller is credited with the first to age bourbon in charred oak barrels. And that aging in charred oak barrels gives bourbon its brownish color and distinctive taste. And whether he did that or not, I mean, they were using charred barrels in Europe for centuries before. But uh, Craig, Elijah Craig, is credited with being the father of that, whether he was or he wasn't, who knows. But he did it, and uh, there really is no single inventor of bourbon. Uh, as I said, charring the barrels had been known for better flavor and had been used in Europe for centuries. Um, the, as I said, the whole thing was called Old Bourbon County, and it was huge. It can pr- compromise most of present-day Kentucky and a lot of Virginia, the western part of Virginia. And uh, this today area would encompass over 34 counties, uh, which include Bourbon County. 
And another interesting thing was a lot of that bourbon was shipped down the Ohio River out of Maysville, Kentucky. And the area was still called Old Bourbon then. And sometimes the barrels were stamped Old Bourbon out of Maysville as they were shipped down the Ohio River to the Mississippi to New Orleans, where some of it was even sold overseas in those days. Uh, so it surely gets its name from Kentucky and uh, the old bourbon being stenciled on all those barrels undoubtedly had a lot to do with it. You know, prohibition hurt the bourbon industry in the United States a lot. And uh, during prohibition, I think Kentucky only had two distilleries and they were primarily responsible for producing medicinal whiskey, whatever that is. Uh, but today, there are almost 330 different distilleries in Kentucky, and uh, this resulting stuff is absolutely incredible. Uh, the legal description of bourbon uh, is, is simply, it must be produced in the United States and its territories. It does not have to be produced in Kentucky. It may, must be made from a grain mixture that's over half corn. It must be aged in new Arc, oak charred, charred containers. It must be distilled to no more than 160 proof, which is 80% by alcohol. And it can go into containers at 125 proof, which is 62.5% by alcohol. Uh, whatever the proof is, you simply divide it by two, and that gives you the alcohol content. Uh, bourbon has no specific aging period. Straight virgin, uh, straight bourbon must be aged about two years, and it makes a big difference uh, when they do it. One of the most interesting things to me is how popular bourbon has become. In just the last six years, uh, the distilleries in uh, Kentucky have increased twofold. In other words, they doubled the amount of distilleries in that little short of window. It's just amazing the growth of bourbon around the whole country uh, and around the world. Everybody wants Pappy Van Winkle and Woodford, etc., and many of these bourbons that are so popular. It's kind of interesting to me that a distiller in Kentucky was trying an experiment. Most of the whiskey is bottled right at the distillery. Well, he thought maybe he would try what they used to do and ship the barrels by water. So he put two barrels aside of his whiskey and shipped it down the Ohio, Mississippi, and up the intercoastal uh, to New York City. And when it got there, he took a barrel from Kentucky that had not been on that boat trip, and they compared the two. And the difference was just incredible. The one, or the uh, whiskey shipped by the barrel was mature, aged, richer, had deep flavors of tobacco, vanilla, caramel, and honey. And they all said it was some of the best bourbon they'd ever drunk. It was theorized that the gentle slossing of the whiskey in the barrel for the three weeks that it took for the barrel to get from Kentucky to New York improved the smoothness and the taste. Now, whether we'll start seeing barrel sh water shipped barrels of whiskey or not, I don't know. But it certainly makes for an interesting story. And what pro prompted all this was the mint julep. A mint julep is a wonderful drink, and it's the drink of the Kentucky Derby. And today they'll serve at 
uh, Kentucky uh, Downs, uh, over 100,000 uh, mint juleps. That's a lot of mint juleps. The recipe is very simple. You take one part simple syrup to three parts whiskey, and you put it, it masticated. In other words, take a cup of mint leaves and pound them with a mortar and pestle till you get sort of a mastigation or or little mashed up mint leaves. Put rinse that, dump that ounce of syrup and the three ounces of bourbon in there. Swish it around, pour it over crushed ice, and garnish with a mint leaf. And it's really, really delicious. It's simple. It's maple. Uh, mint leaf, simple syrup and bourbon, and crushed ice. That's all there is in there. And it really makes it a wonderful drink. Henry Clay of Kentucky, the famous senator, introduced that at the Willard Hotel uh, prior to the Civil War in uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, it came from the Spanish aerobic, meaning rose, sweet rose water. And juleps became very, very popular. And since 1880, they have been the drink of the Kentucky Derby. And tonight, if you're watching that Kentucky Derby, uh, and you watch it with a mint julep in your hand, it's much more authentic and much more fun. The mint julep is really a delicious drink, and it, it glorifies really a bourbon whiskey. And a lot of people say, oh, you ruin the bourbon whiskey by putting the mint and syrup in. Yeah, but it's once a year. Uh, and you can use a, a lesser quality whiskey, that's for sure. You don't want to use a 40-year-old whiskey to make a mint julep uh, any more than you'd want to use a bottle of feet Rothschild to make a, a pitcher of sangrias. So uh, the mojito is very popular drink, and a mint julep is in that same family where you smash up mint and add it to it. And it makes a big, big difference. Uh, I think the Jim Beam Corporation has been the sponsor of uh, the mint juleps at the Kentucky Derby, and they do it now with their Woodford Reserve. It's the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby. And so there you have it. Uh, you can have a wonderful mint julep on uh, here, Kentucky Derby Day, and celebrate not only the Kentucky Derby and enjoying a relatively good drink, but uh, here's a toast to bourbon whiskey. Very, very popular American drink that is our ambassador in the world of spirits the world over. Some contend it might be the best. Others, of course, say it's tequila or scotch whiskey or Irish whiskey or vodka or something like that. But certainly bourbon whiskey has made a great mark around the world for the United States as being our ambassador to the world of spirits. And, as I said, it's a very, very popular thing. Today, uh, bourbon whiskey has really become a, a, an allocated item, if you can believe it or not. A lot of the stuff we get uh, in, we only get less than a case, with uh, even being as sizable as we are, because it's allocated all over the United States, and people only get a bottle or two. So there's a, always a bidding war to get some of these rare bourbon whiskeys. So uh, wouldn't our founding father, George Washington, be surprised today if he saw whiskeys going for hundreds of dollars a bottle 
although he did fairly well making a million bucks a year selling whiskey out of Mount Vernon. Yes, he did. Well, I tell you, he'd be thrilled walking into any one of the Haskell's locations, I'll tell you that. He sure would. The world of wine and the world of spirits are opened up to everybody when you stop in at a Haskell store. And there's a Haskell's near you where you can join our wonderful spring sale and pick up all of your spirits, uh, wine, and uh, beer needs at Haskell's. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine and get the fixings to make a mint julep. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Fairbow, right off of 35W. Haskell's in Maple Grove, the super cellar up there is 22,000 square feet. There's Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis with free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. If you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com, and you can even open up our 10-page, our 12-page catalog for our spring sale online. And don't forget, the folks at Haskell's do deliver. Absolutely. Jack, always a pleasure. Enjoy the run for the roses today, and uh, we'll talk next week. And I'm going to look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks so much. Jack Farrell from Haskell's. By the way, coming along right after our CCO News break, uh, get those lawn and garden questions ready. You know how busy we get with our, our smart garden show. So call in or text in Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. We'll be helping you out uh, this morning here on WCCO. How about this forecast? Sunny skies, highs today in the Twin Cities, near 85 degrees. How about the winds? Uh, southerly, around 10 miles an hour. We'll drop to 56 uh, overnight tonight. There's a small chance of showers come tomorrow, probably in the late afternoon. We'll be about 70 for uh, a daytime high. And then the rest of the week looks like daytime highs with a chance of rain midweek. Uh, the high should be around 60, upper 50s to around 60. Uh, right now in the Twin Cities, south winds at 8 miles an hour. The dew point at 36, partly cloudy, 58 degrees.